spiritual rebuilding. It requires staying focused on the task at hand, recognizing and eliminating distractions that hold you back from what God wants you to do. That's next on Moody Presents. Get your eyes off of the 110 details and come back to your main focus and say, okay, God, let me get this straight. Let me get my main priorities in place in order to be able to go forward. Hey, welcome to Moody Presents with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. We're glad you're listening today. And what was I going to mention? Oh, oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. I, I got distracted for a moment. It's easy, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds like this program is for me. You know, producing Moody Presents for you each week is a big job. And according to Pastor Mark, it seems like the bigger the job, the more we have a tendency to be distracted along the way. Well, Nehemiah certainly encountered this as the work got underway rebuilding Jerusalem. And he points out that you and I can expect distractions spiritually when we attempt to work on areas of our lives as well. Let's pray right now that we would not be distracted, but ready to listen to God's Word. Lord, you know our hearts, they wander, our minds wander, but we want to hear. And not just hear the Word of God, but do the Word of God. Would you work that work in us, we pray as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're able to open up your Bible, your phone, your tablet, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6. Here's Pastor Mark Job with part one of Keeping Focused in the Midst of Distraction on Moody Presents. Uh, Nehemiah basically learns in this chapter we, we discover how to stay spiritually focused on the task that God has called us to in spite of distractions. And you say, well, well, what is distraction? Distraction is when your attention is being drawn by something other than the thing that you should be focused on. Now, we live in a world where there's a lot of distractions. How about it? Some of you are half ADHD, and so it's just hard for you to concentrate, period. I mean, even in service, you got to tap your foot, you know, look this, check your watch, you know. Some of you, hey, don't even tell me. I don't even know. I don't want to hear your text messaging during worship service, but I know some of you are really tempted to do that. But, but, but some of you just are like hyper, hard to stay, stay atten- attentive to one thing. You're easily distracted. Someone walks in the back. You have to look to see who it is. We'll check out where they're coming. They came in this late. And, and it's just hard for you to focus and pay attention on things because your mind is easily, very easily distracted. And we live in a day where we're all multitasking, right? It seems like we're all learning to do a whole bunch of things at one time. And I have to admit, I am super guilty of that. I try to do a lot of things at one time. In fact, just a few months ago, I was driving on I-55 Expressway, and, you know, my cell phone here, I'm, I'm talking, and, of course, my cup of coffee, so drinking coffee, t- cell phone, trying to take notes once in a while what people are telling me, and trying to drive on the expressway all at the same time. Don't those drivers aggravate you? <laughs> Man. So my cup of coffee that I had run out of the house with had the wrong lid on it, And so when I put it down, it fell over and it started to spill. So I was in traffic, driving, watching, paying attention, and I reached down just for a second to pick up my cup of coffee, and the person in front of me slammed on their brakes. So have you ever had one of those moments where everything kind of goes in slow motion? It's like, oh, no. 
And so I slammed on my brakes, but it was too late. By that time, I had already, I saw it coming. I couldn't do anything else. Thank God I had my seatbelt on. And boom, I ran into the car in front of me. All because of small distraction. Now, thank God, the lady that in front of me was okay. I was okay. I had to tow my car because the radiator leaked, and she had a big dent in her trunk. But all because of a split second of distraction. You see, distractions can be lethal. And in our spiritual life, distractions are all around us. And here's the thing about distractions. Sometimes distractions come in the back door and they seem benign. They don't seem very dangerous because they're not clothed in wicked, evil, dark clothing. In fact, most of the distractions that we really need to worry about are good kind of distractions. I mean, things that you would not say, that's bad. It's just oftentimes the second or third or fourth best can take us away from our primary call. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, as we learn how to stay spiritually focused on task with what God has called us in spite of our distractions. It says, when word came to Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, these are the three leaders of the opposition of Nehemiah. We've heard about them since chapter 2. They constantly keep resurfacing as the guys that are trying to oppose the work that Nehemiah is doing. That I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up till that time I had not set the doors and the gates. I mean, this is a massive task. They've pretty much finished most of the wall. There's no major gaps in the wall. They haven't hung the doors. They haven't closed the gates, so it's not a secure city yet. But it's like this is a major milestone. It says, verse 2, Samballad and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me this message, and each time I gave them the same answer. First thing I want you to realize is that this distraction, if you're taking notes, write this down. Distractions often come in sheep's clothing So you need discernment and determination to avoid being sidetracked. Most distractions look pretty harmless when they come our way, but they can really devastate our life if we're not careful. Now, I, I think Nehemiah's first clue that this was a bad meeting should have been when the when the meeting is called in the plain of Ono. I mean, right? Anyone that calls a meeting in a place called Ono, you better be careful. This doesn't seem like a good setup for this meeting, right? Something to be weary of here. And so Sambalik and Tobiah, in their mind, their main goal was let's stop what Nehemiah is doing. So if we can get them distracted with conversation, if we can get him to leave the job that he's working on, come down here and dialogue, then we can stop the work, we can get him distracted, 
and he will not be able to complete the task that God has called him to. Here's the thing I want you to remember, that sometimes in our life, distractions will pop up, people will want to have conversations, they'll want to take you away from your main priority for seemingly decent good causes. I mean, after all, what's wrong with a conversation over a cup of coffee? I mean, we've had bad blood, there's been misunderstanding, why not sit down with Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem and talk over the misunderstandings that we've had? Hold on. Do you realize it's good to talk often, but not every call to talk is a good one? Because sometimes people aren't looking for solutions, they're just looking to vent. How about it? I've been in conversations where people sit down to talk and it leaves worse than when they came there. Because the question is, why do you want to talk? Not, do you want to talk? The question is, what is the motive behind your talk? If it's to build bridges, if it's to mend ways, if it's for reconciliation, that's fine. But if it's just to get together to vent and to prove that I'm right and you're wrong, typically no good comes from those conversations. And I've been, a lot, I've been in a lot of those conversations. So I was asked, why are we getting together? And if I feel like people are getting together the vent, then typically I say, I don't really want to go to that uh, meeting. Here's the thing we need to understand. There are things in life, the Apostle Paul said, that I run the race and I seek not to get entangled in things. Life comes at us fast, doesn't it? I mean, there's a lot of things. If, if, if you live in the same world that I live in, which I think you do, you, sometimes you feel like you're juggling. How about it? You got to uh, juggle bills and you got to juggle schedules. I have three kids. Two of them are teenagers. Uh, one's eight-year-old and they have activities. So you're juggling those activities. And of course, you want to nurture your marriage. So you got to juggle your date night in there as well. And you got to do yard work and you got to finish this and finish that and keep up with this meeting and that meeting and that. And pretty soon you're juggling like this and you're feeling like, wow, there's a lot on my plate. And once in a while, we just need to take a time out and say, okay, great, there's a lot on your plate. Here's a big question. But what is your priority? See, what priorities do in our life is they help us say no to things that are not that important. And to be honest with you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and a serious disciple of Jesus Christ, the central priority of your life should involve your following Christ and your spiritual growth. That should be central to your life. And so if you're so busy with life that you have very little time for God and to nurture your spiritual life and the things of God, then let me tell you, then you're too busy. Or your priorities are not straight. Because if your life does not involve some spiritual cultivation, by the way, let me congratulate you that you're in the house of God on Sunday morning on a rainy, nasty day in which the bears are playing. Hey, congratulations. You are here in the house of God, nurturing your spiritual life. So give yourself a hand. Yeah. It means that, you know, someone, that, that hopefully you have some desire to grow some spiritual hunger in your life, which is a good thing, and you're not allowing other distractions to take you away from that. So remember that oftentimes distractions that come our way, they may not be bad things, 
But if you're so distracted that you don't have time for your priority, then you are too distracted. That's Mark Job, and you're listening to Moody Presents. We're talking about staying on point with your priorities. Nehemiah did it right, and there is much that we can learn from his experience, his example. And the good news is there's more coming up in a minute. Boy, I, I can sure use this teaching myself. Why don't just pause for a moment to welcome you to Moody Presents, if you're new by any chance. You know, all of what you're hearing on air is also available online at moodypresents.org. Also, some different options there for you to receive the daily broadcast. If you're a smartphone user and you prefer to listen on demand, you can do that anytime, anywhere. Uh, Consider downloading the free Moody Radio app. Look for Moody Radio at Google Play or the App Store. You can subscribe to the podcast version on iTunes or Google. However you connect, it's our hope that the good news and the teaching that you're hearing is challenging you and encouraging you to take the needed steps in your life to grow your faith and walk closer to God. So if you can, head to moodypresents.org for more options and details. I don't think there's anything more distracting than gossip, right? Let's see how Nehemiah dealt with it and how we can rise above it next. Here's more from Mark Job on keeping focused in the midst of distraction on Moody Presents. Yvette, can I offer a suggestion? I think some people look at their spiritual lives and say, well, I'm making very little progress in my life. And I've examined my heart. There's no major sin. I don't feel like I'm involved in any obsessive, compulsive, addictive behavior. And you're scratching your head and wondering why you're not making progress in your spiritual life. Maybe, just maybe, it's because there's too many distractions and you have to learn to focus again. Get your eyes off of the 110 details And come back to your main focus and say, okay, God, let me get this straight. Let me get my main priorities in place in order to be able to go forward. Amen? Number two, rumors and gossip can become a great source of distraction. So learn to clarify the truth and hear me, look at me, move on. Uh, Notice what happened here. So, after Sambalad and his enemies tried to distract Nehemiah four four times, the fifth time, they decided to change the strategy. Notice what they do. It says, so the fifth time, Sambalad sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter, in in other words, an open letter, in which it was written... Now, here's the attack. The first attack didn't work to distract him by having a meeting. So now another approach is taken. This approach is to question his motives. To question his motives and to get Nehemiah distracted by the rumor mill. He says, it's reported among the nations. Reported among the nations. Don't all rumors start that way? I've heard people are saying. Most rumors always exaggerate how many people are talking about it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about this. Oh, you heard two. Your mother and your sister. There's a lot of people saying, a lot of people, 
really. When it comes down to it, usually it's the same five to eight people, and they're always involved in all the gossip. So it's kind of the same people talking again about all the gossip. So, you know, when, you, when someone comes to you and says, a lot of people are saying, take it with a grain of salt, because what I've discovered over the years is that doesn't mean very much. The nations are saying, he says, and Geshem says it's true. Well, who's Geshem? Geshem is the guy who's been against Nehemiah since the beginning. He's not a reliable witness. And Geshem says it's true. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. And have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. You know what this is? This is a plot to undermine Nehemiah's motives, to question his motives. You see, oftentimes rumors and gossip will go out to attack the motives for what, why you're doing what you're doing. It questions your heart. And, and, and someone may may question your heart, and usually it's a blow below the belt that really gets us where it hurts. You know, whatever it may be, you're, you're helping out with, uh, you decide to become assistant in the home group, and you're helping out with the home group, and really working and praying for people, and someone says, hey, I heard you're just helping out in the home group because you like this girl there. <laughs> what? That's not true. Well, that, hey, a lot of people are saying Or you go out and you, you try to help someone and, and uh, you know, you, you loan money to your brother uh, because he's rehabbing his basement and, and, and then someone, a relative comes up and says, hey, I, I heard that, uh, you know, you gave some money because uh, you, you, you're charging them interest on that. You're just trying to make a profit. What? No way. I just, I helped them out. No, no, well, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm just saying what I hear and a lot of people are saying it. You see, acts of kindness, acts of goodness, things that you've engaged in. Hey, I hear, you know, I, I hear you're going to church now. You know, rumor is you're going to church because you're in a custody battle right now and you just want the judge to look at you favorable because of that. What are they? No, 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 no. Well, well I, I know. I'm, hey, don't get mad at me. Just a lot of people are talking. And what's our first response when rumor mills question our motives? Our first response is, you want to defend your reputation. Who's saying that? Well, I'm going to tell you that's not true. And you tell me their names. And then you get caught into the web. And someone says, okay, I'm not going to tell you really. No, no, no. I don't want to say. I don't say. Okay, here, this person said it. And she heard it from that person. Okay. And so you write them. And then they write back. And have you ever gotten caught in the email battle? They send an email, you send an email, they send an email, they say back and forth, this person chimes in, then he copies 10 people on it. So now they're copying 10 people and you have a bunch of people involved. Let me tell you, first of all, if you're going to solve a problem, don't do it via email. The worst medium, I think, of trying to solve a problem is email. You know why? Because people can't see your intonation. They can't see your face. 
They, 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 so they project on your email the worst possible scenario. This person's really angry, and so they misinterpret what you're trying to say to them. I've seen more people get in trouble over trying to discuss things over email than any other way because they can't really see people's face. And by the way, some people get really bold, nasty, and courageous in letters. But when it comes to talking face-to-face, they're totally different. Several years ago, I had this guy that just, he would write me these nasty, just vindictive, harsh letters pretty much about maybe twice a month. And he attended the church. So on Sunday, I'd see him, I'd say hi, he'd say hi to me, just kind of go on, you know, hi, how you doing? Good, good, you know, move on. And I never acknowledged that I got his letters, but I'd say hi to him, let's say. And one day he stopped me, he said, I'm so mad at you. I said, why? I, have you got my letters? I said, yeah, you mean the nasty, vindictive, harsh letter? Yeah, yeah, I've been getting them. Well, how come you're not saying anything about them? I said, well, I, you know, you never asked me to respond, or you didn't say, let's talk about it, sit down. So I just figured you needed to vent, so I'm letting you vent. I'm letting them slide off my back. And so, you know, it seems to be therapeutic for you, seems to be good for me, because I kind of understand where you're coming from, and, and, and it's okay. But when I talked to him face-to-face, he was sort of meek and mild. In his letter, he was ferocious, bad, tough, really angry, And here's the thing. Let me give you just some advice. If you have something good to say, say it in writing. Because writing is permanent. If you have something harsh to say, say it face to face so people can see your face, see your expression. You can put an arm around them and, and, and just put it in the right context. So if you have something tough to say, Say it face-to-face, in person, without a crowd around. Some of you wait till a lot of family members are around, and then you decide to lay it on. Don't do that. The Bible says, in fact, by the way, if you have something against a brother, the Bible says take that person aside in private. Don't bring your little entourage. Mother, father, cousin, sister, neighbor, and say, hey, we want to talk to you. No, talk to that person in private, clarify it. If they don't respond, then you can get more people involved. But do it in private. And so Nehemiah is being attacked by the rumor mill. His motives are being questioned. And I want you to see how Nehemiah responds. It says that, verse 8, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. I like that. Period. Signed, Nehemiah. I mean, you know how long that took for him to write? Two minutes. You know what Nehemiah was saying? I don't want to waste time with this. He's basically saying, you're wrong. That's fictional. I'm not sure what you're smoking, but that's not true. And, and he moved on. He didn't stand there. He didn't go back and forth. He didn't say, what's your evidence? What's your proof? He just said, move forward. Let me tell you something. Your track record should speak more volumes about your life and your history than anything else. If you have a good track record, let your track record speak for itself. Because most unbiased people If they look at you and you've had a good track record, they're going to disregard rumors about you if you have a good track record. So let your life speak for itself. Now, this is the most devious distraction, the most subtle 
below the belt kind of distraction. It's the pseudo spirituality distraction. Now, look what it says. It says, one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, a son of Mehitabel, who was shut in at his home. And he said, who are these people? Well, besides being people with weird names, they were people that were prophets and prophetesses. How to deal with false rumors. Living in a way that our good reputation will speak for itself in the face of opposition and distraction. Boy, that's a great word from Mark Job in part one of our message. And the second half and the conclusion, that comes your way next time. Well, speaking of staying focused, a Nebraska farmer had a problem a few years ago. He needed to move his barn and fast, but he had little time or money. That's when, get this, 344 friends came over. (laughs) Together, they lifted the 17,000-pound barn in a matter of minutes. It's a true story. Well, carrying the weight of our financial needs is what Moody Presents partners do every single month. And Moody Presents partners who give $30 a month or more also enjoy a 50% discount from the entire line of Moody Publishers' Bible studies, biographies, and kids' books, everything at our website half off. So why not help us shoulder the load of expenses when you become a monthly partner today? You can become a Moody Presents partner online at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Our current series is titled Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World. And you can follow along, listen anytime, online at moodypresents.org. Thanks for tuning in. For Mark Job, I'm John Geiger, and Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Have a great day.